Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money-Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money-Making Conversations Masterclass. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. People always talk about their purpose of gift. If you have a gift, lead with your gifts and don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My next guest is Jay Alphonse Nicholson. He's one of the stars of P-Valley one of the most acclaimed series on the Stars Network. Let me give you a little background on P-Valley. It tells a universal story of hustlers, dreamers, survivors, and strivers. The show confronts and illustrates the realities of domestic violence, trauma, and police brutality with death and nuance. It is one of the most highly rated shows on Rotten Tomatoes. In fact, it is rated 100%. That's uh, the ultimate A-plus compliment. It remains one of the most acclaimed shows on TV. It just broke out of nowhere. It was on TV season one. We're talking about season two. P-Valley has gone to numerous accolades, uh, awards, including the NAACP Image Award, as well as nominations from the Television Critics Association, GLAAD, Media Awards, Independent Spirit Awards, Gotham Independence Film Awards, and many, many more. But he's here on my show right now. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations Masterclass, a.k.a. Lil Murder, J. Alphonse Nicholson. <laughs> How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I'm going to go back a little bit to the first season, man. This is when I became a fan, man. When you and uh, 
Keyshawn came out there in that finale, man, and I was I was trying to find the CD. I was trying to Jay. I was trying to find the CD, man. I, I really was trying to find the CD. I told Nico, who I interviewed already, I said, "Man, you are you. Let's 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 go back about you, man, because you seem so natural. It's an urban flick. You 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 you, you know, and, and it's all about." feeling that moment and being in that moment. Talk about that episode that I'm talking about. And when did you feel that you really had a grip on the character Lil Murder in the P-Valley series? Appreciate the kind words. Um, you know, we've been working on this since 2018. We, we did that first pilot um, episode that got it picked up in 2018. So I knew then that we had a hitter on our hands. I knew that, uh, you know, it was going to be a complex relationship with the audience, but they were going to receive it. And so uh, by the time we got into season one, I would say halfway through the season, I was very comfortable with uh, the character that I was creating alongside Katori Hall and the rest of my castmates, the story that we were telling. And then, yeah, by the time we got to that episode with Keyshawn and I, man, Murder Night, you know, it, it was one of those things where the world had already been so enthralled by our, our our show that, you know, it almost felt like it was happening in real time. Not only was Lil Murder and Keyshawn so extremely popular on the show, right. but then we were like popular in real life, too. And all of our fame was kind of growing at the same time. So uh, I would say midway through the season is when I really locked in and felt like okay, I have complete control over this character. I know exactly what I'm doing with them. And then um, even the parts that made me a little apprehensive and, and scared and nervous to to portray or, yes, sir. Um, you know, the emotions that I knew had to be portrayed. I, I knew that long as I, was, I stayed true and long as I was honest with my actions, that the world will receive it and eventually be kind to this character that we're not so used to seeing. Well, definitely. You know, I think that, uh, you know, we see uh, we see life is uh, it's like it's like everybody has a month now, you know, but that month has to be received with information and has to be promoted. And uh, and then because of the fact that at this point in life, it's really being promoted and this show is being promoted because of the approach it takes about the community is representing. When you say you was a little nervous, I just want to go back on what your comments were just to get just to just to grow out of that thought process. So my audience can understand everything's challenging it can be on a piece of paper, but you still have to honestly deliver the role. Talk about that. Yeah, man, I think every role comes with uh, an extreme uh, amount of challenges, you know, especially roles that you, um, you know, as a person are not as familiar with. You know, I knew who Little Murdo is because of the the every man that he is in our society, you know, uh, but as, as a heterosexual man, it was, um, you know, I knew that I was portraying someone who I wasn't. And so just nervous about how the audience was going to receive that. And then, you know, wanting my my brothers and sisters who are who are a part of that community, the LGBTQ community, to feel respected and feel like that their story was being told in an honest way. And uh, so I think that's where the nerves came from. Um, and But now a lot of those nerves have subsided, subsided just because, you know, of the, the reaction of the show and how people accept the characters. Always going to be love, always going to be hate, but I always choose to accept more of the love. Well, I will tell you, uh, no hate here from Rashawn McDonald. No hate here from Money Making uh, Conferences Massacre. No hate here from my social media. No hate from my newsletter. Thanks, okay, my radio yeah. show. Because uh, the yes, television, you can only grow, especially as a community. Let's let's go to black people, because black people are the last to admit anything. And sometimes when you start going to the gay community, that, that's perceived as a flaw. And and mm -hmm. we as a, a as a community, until we start accepting this is not a flaw, this is part of life, then we can move forward as a community. And so right. so when the show came out, 
you know, I would tell you, uh, you know, it was talking about the strip club and I wasn't even feeling that, uh, you know, and I would tell you I had that same attitude when uh, Power came out, when it was talking about 50 cents and the drug dealer mm-hmm. and club. I went, ah, I'm not getting that, fell in love with that. And so I always tell people, right. don't reject, participate, and then allow right. the story to grow on you. And this story has grown on me. Now, as it has grown on this country, how have you reacted to that, Jay? Oh, man, just trying to stay relaxed. And then for me, you know, my wife and I, we're always on the same page about, you know, staying away from certain comments on social media or, you know, not getting too caught up in the whole fanfare of it all. Because people will love you one day, they'll hate you next, you know. So, but I I appreciate all, all of the just amazing, you know, comments and, and just generous uh, attention that has been spent on P Valley, man. We've built a, an incredible fan base. And so to be a part of, the, of that is unlike any other show I've been on before and probably, you know, unlike any experience I'll have going forward, P Valley is just such a, a conglomerate and that is huge. So I'm just glad to be a part of it. Well, you know, the interesting thing about it, I'm interviewing J. Alphonse uh, Nicholson, he's the, one of the stars of P-Valley. He plays the character Lil Murder, one of the more popular characters on the series. He got about like four storylines running simultaneously, you know. So the reason I say that's a good thing because what happens is you want to get back to Lil Murder, find out what's going on. You know, you nervous about right. Keyshawn because her husband's kind of crazy. He had the crib taking care of kids. <laughs> you don't know if he's going to show up, you know. I remember right. when you and Keyshawn was in the same room, I was worried he's going to bust in the door, think y'all having a relationship. <laughs> You know, it, it very talk about that writing, man. Because, like I said, y'all got my head spinning. And I'm gonna tell you something a little background on me. I'm a sitcom writer back in the day, Sister Sister, okay. Jamie Foxx show, uh, the Parkers, oh, nice. uh, the, the, the Parenthood. So, I know about quality writing, and so, I, so yeah. I also know about when I'm seeing it being played out by outstanding acting. But the, mm. but the script, man, I'm gonna tell you right now, I couldn't be in that writer's room. Y'all came out, y'all coming out with languages and, and, and statements I can't even deal with, man. Talk about that script there, Jay. Y'all be talking, man. And I and, and a lot of times I put the show on closed caption so I can see the, the script language, and it's off the chain, man. Talk about that, man, because mm-hmm. that's what makes it authentic. You know, you know, if yeah. you know, you guys have went beyond the word ain't, you know, y'all got a whole language that's happening All down right. there in Mississippi, you know. Talk to us about that. Man. Shout out to Katori Hall, man. She is just, you know, an incredible writer, Pulitzer Prize winning writer at this point. And so she honors and pays uh, homage to what she hears. And so that's one thing I'm grateful to be, uh, excuse me, to be part of a show that allows us to sit in, in our most familiar vernacular, you know? Right. And so for me, coming up through theater and, and you know, working my way up to Broadway, there's this uh, thing where you have to speak very proper and have this standard American <laughs> yes. English to be able to do the Shakespeare and all these things. And when you can come on back home and sit in that Ebonics, which is one of the most beautiful, you know, languages I feel, you know, in our culture, we created that. And so Katori, she explored all levels of that, even when, you know, like you said, black people hate admitting that we sound a certain way sometimes, but it's true, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, when you get into certain parts of the South, there's a very specific sound. And obviously there's a diverse culture in the South as well. Everyone doesn't sound the same. Um, and I think we show that very well on P-Valley. And then, you know, like I said, Katori, she's going to use every inch uh, of her Katori 
dictionary and Webster to, <laughs> to pull all her words and she'll make up some and then it'll be a lot in there that, you know, you heard your mom and your aunties and your cousins say several times. So mm-hmm. it, it's nice to be a part of it, man. Yeah. I, I, before we get into season two, uh, I want to go back to that, 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 that the season finale, you know, when you came out and performed. Because and, I got to go, I'm going to tell you something, that was a star-making turn for me, for you. Yeah, and oh, also wow. Keyshawn. You know, because yeah. I was like, I was like at the house going, wow. You know, I stopped my wife, I, you know, because she'd be in there. She, she, I'd be watching all kind of, got my big screen. I said, what you watching? Next thing, she's sitting next to me. I said, that, I said, that boy right there is a star. And I'm going to tell you oh, something. I'm man. not going to ever yeah. ask you to do what she's doing because it's impossible. I don't know why she's doing it. She feels like, you know, right. like a gymnast. But y'all have uh-huh. a star turning performance there. When that when yeah, when something yeah. happens like that, where are you at mm-hmm. emotionally? And you do you do do people tell you, "Wow, man, that was special." How did that moment happen? Because it it propelled you into season two. It did. Um, you know, I always just put my best foot forward, no matter who my audience is, no matter who's watching. And I think that's something that theater has taught me. Um, you know, eight shows a week, you you got to bring it every time, and so your audience is either going to lean into that or sit back. And P Valley's audience, they just leaned into it. And so that let me feel confident about the performance, even though, you know, I feel confident about it before we give it out to the audience. But once they receive it, everyone is going crazy and also just kind of being moved by the character that they're seeing, also just entranced by the cinematography and storytelling. It means a lot because it's a lot of hard work. So as an artist, you know, I, I try to correlate it to uh, pottery. You know, you you make this beautiful pot, it takes your time. Mm-hmm. You, you have to paint it and sculpt it. And then once you put it in stores or, or you give it as a gift and that person is overwhelmed by what you created, it means right. the world. And so um, as a craftsman, for someone to accept your craft and, and really appreciate it, um, you know, it's just one of those things where you can't, you really can't deny the feeling that it gives you, which is just love and, ultimately, you know, being seen for the artist that you are. So it's it's a beautiful thing, and I love it. And sometimes, you know, can't quite explain what that energy is. You can't explain what it's like having 4.5 million viewers watch you every week or right. sometimes up to 9 million viewers. You can't really explain <laughs> what that energy is like. So it's just like you got to go through it, you know? Well, I, I, the reason I'm just bringing these things up and just want to slow it down to my listeners and viewers about P-Valley is that it's a substantive show and it deserves all the awards that is being put in front of it. The reason I like it because white society have created shows like this in the past and have received these same type of rewards, but we've never been able to cross over. You know, we've never been able to create a culture. Like They do Godfather movies all the time, left and right. But when we would do uh-huh. stories about our culture, they would never receive like this is being received or like power. Power really didn't right. get his credit. But this episode, this series is getting his credit. To get a 100% mm-hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes, that's a big wow factor, Jay. Yeah, that's a huge wow factor. It doesn't happen too often, you know, for some of the larger shows to come out, you know, white, black, Latino, whatever the, the uh, you know, the the audiences or whatever the show that just doesn't happen so for it to happen for us for it to be a you know obviously majority black show black brand show ran you know majority black writers wrong right uh it's a huge accomplishment man and, and you know obviously it's one of those things where that's what it is it's a milestone and you you place that brick where it needs to go i don't let it weigh too heavily right. on me you know mm-hmm. uh those 
uh, you know, critics and things like that, but it means a lot. And I appreciate the people who take time to, to write these reviews on my show. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. I'm going to just tell you, uh, popularity breeds both sides of the, of the conversation, okay? Mm. Ride with the positive, mm-hmm. brother. Ride that you live in your heart. Uh, the, the, but I got to give some love to the actress who plays the character Keyshawn. I got it. Yeah. I, I, I want to get in your head now, okay? Mm-hmm. Seeing the athleticism. That's, that's what we're talking about, athleticism on these yeah. poles. What did, what yeah. did, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like at a, oh my God. I'm in a disbelief. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what are you seeing, Jay? And when you see this as a guy going physically, this is, this is incredible what they're doing. Man, P Valley changed my whole perspective on pole dancers and, you know, obviously sex workers and strippers, whatever name you, you want to, um, call it. I prefer to call them um, athletes and pole dancers. Right, you're right. You know they they have. So shout out to Keyshawn, like you said, uh, Shannon Thornton, who plays Keyshawn. She's uh, put in an incredible amount of work. And then stars also uh, P Valley. Also, we have th- these stunt doubles who right. come in and do the high flying, you know, poles dropping almost to the ground stunts. Right. And you realize, man, it, you know, I could do a thousand pushups and I still wouldn't be able to uh, <laughs> climb up and, and have the strength that these women have. And what makes it even more incredible is that black women don't. Yes. And so you see them, they're almost like these goddess and sitting up there on that pole and, and turning and flexing every muscle in their body right. to, you know, do these incredible stunts. And it's beautiful, man. It's mind blowing, especially when you can see it in person and up close. And it's even more mind blowing when you know they have to do it. 15 times, 10 times, you know, how many ever takes we have to do it. These women, these incredible athletes are getting up here and making it done. And so our actors, um, they do a lot of their own stunts as well. But then it's one of those things where they, once they get tired, they kind of, you know, right. tap in, tag in and right. have these people come in and, and do the work. I wish I knew the stunt double's names, but shout out to um, Shannon Thor and Brandy Edmonds, you know, Ellarita Johnson, all of our ladies, L. Bean, our new <laughs> actors. You know, who had to come in and do this incredible work. Hey, Jay, Jay, be messing up my head. Be messing up my head. Be going like, oh, really? They leave leave bruised up. And I look at them, I say, well, if they're not tired, I know I can be tired. Let's go into the second season. You know, uh, we've got some new characters coming into play. Uh, Big T Uh is coming in, got a parole out of jail. So I'm going to just tell you, this second season has been a nervous season for me. The tone was yeah. kind of set when you came out on the porch and you and the, the car slowed down and you reached in uh-huh. your back. That set the tone that you live in a violent world. You have a world that has uh-huh. the ability to create violence. And this episode yeah. here, the season has been as, as you on the road, you're out there with Keyshawn's character, uh, out there, you are doing a, 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 a the, the Dirty Dozen tour. And so Teak is let out of jail. Explain to us. Him and his role, but not too much detail because I want people to watch the show. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, man, he was, he is one of the characters that we love over at P Valley, one of the new characters. Um, shout out to Victoria Hall for finding John Stewart. You know, John Stewart was on um, NBC's uh, Zoe's Playlist. Also, uh, Luke Cage, also a lot of theater in New York. So I was already 
uh, fond of him and his work. So when I found out I had to work opposite of him, I said, man, this is going to be powerful. And uh, he's another character, man, that is very much a real person, um, you know, in our society. People who have been in prison and come out traumatized, um, for one, because of their sexual orientation, and then for two, um, because of just not being able to be acclimated to the real world circumstances. And in his set case, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we see this character, we know this character in real life, but we're now getting an opportunity to see his story played out on, on screen. And it's very, um, just all levels, man. Without, like I said, without giving too much away, I don't want to tell too much of his storyline, but you see him go through every level of who this man is and struggling with his sexual identity, as well as, like I said, just struggling to be a black man in society. So it's beautiful. And by the time we get to the end of the season, uh, it's a roller coaster ride, man. It really does take you on these very highs. And then you have some very lows with the big character as well as the murder character. So I'm excited to share that screen with them. Well, one thing we can talk about is that in going on the road, you're leaving a a, a love relationship that you're maintaining right. uh, as you travel and trying to reconnect because you've done some things and kind of damaged right. that particular relationship. So talk right. about that whole journey that you're putting together there and how that's going to come across. But I can't give away too much. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not yeah, talking but, about going too far yeah. beyond episodes I've seen. I'm talking about emotionally, yeah. you know, you made a mistake. This is a love relationship. And at the time, you could have stood up for him, and that's what he's, mm-hmm. that's what he's feeling right now. Right. He's, um, you know, it's complex, man. It's one of those things where Little Murder, I think, was ready at one point in season one. I don't know if you remember, but when Little Murder came into the office and was telling Clifford, you know, I, I want to take her on a date. I want to get us, us to be out. And then Clifford, she gave Little Murder this really, really kind of scary monologue about right. what could possibly happen to them. Right. And so then that kind of deflated, that kind of deflated his confidence around, you know, being who he is and, and maybe wanting to be as open as possible. And so I don't think he intended to hurt Clifford's feelings in, right. in, murder, in episode eight. But it happened, and but I think he knew immediately that he had to redeem himself. So I'm interviewing J. Alphonse Nicholson. He's one of the stars of P Valley. He plays the character Little Murder. If you don't know about P Valley, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. The show confronts and illustrates the realities of domestic violence. It really is dead on. Suicide. Uh, I can't forget uh, 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 the church is involved here. The COVID is involved right. here. Uh, the black uh, the right. politics is involved here. Uh, racial division right. is involved here. Um, Humor is involved here because they <laughs> all, all levels, man. All levels. Katori, she, she says that pretty often. That P Valley is dark, is deep, um, is spiritual. You know, and it, it just it, it works on all levels, man. It's one of those things where, um, it, it, you know, the storytelling it, it kind of penetrates through every culture. I think um, culture it, it crosses cultural boundaries in all types of ways. And like you said, yeah, it's. You're going to have some dark moments and you're going to have some really funny moments. Shout out to Loretta Devine. She's one of my favorite characters. On come, on come on now. And, come on now. Come on now. You know, and, and all of her comic relief, man. She's just, she's great. She really is one of the best characters. And obviously Uncle Clifford and, and what Nico, what he brings to to that character, what he brings to her. So, and then I think Lil Murder's funny too, man. Lil Murder got a lot of funny moments, but also a lot of dark and, and, and heavy moments. Well, you know, let me tell you something, Lil really Murder. Appreciate- I'm just calling you Lil Murder. Lil Murder. Let me tell you yeah. something, man. I'll be scared for you, man. You know, you be out there in the streets, brother. 
You can't, I can't lose yeah, you I'm now, there, little man. Myrtle. I can't lose you. Yeah. Like I said, when, they, when that car pulled up, I thought they were going to take you out. You was ready. But, uh, uh, hey, they, 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 you know, and it's funny that guy who plays that character who pulled up in the car, one of the characters, he's from Queen and Slim. A lot of people recognize him. They knew right. what he did in that movie. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was, it's just good storytelling by Katori, man. But, you know, I promise you, Lil Murder ain't going nowhere. And, uh, you know, you'll be able to see him end out this journey in season two for sure. Um, so without spoiling too much, but thank you for having me, man. I'm sorry that. I had to be able to move. No, no, Jay. Look here, brother. Don't don't, don't apologize. You're a star. Stars don't apologize. You know, I, I'm a blessed that I'm able to have a, a real good conversation. Also, let you know that I, I, you know, I'm not just giving you generic questions and allowing you yeah. to communicate the sincerity of your career, what y'all doing on the show. But if you have not watched, audience, listen to me, y'all. If you have not watched P Valley Sundays, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Standard Time, set your set, set your time. Don't even record it because you want to watch it and then talk about it. I see. I, see, I'm mm-hmm. waiting on them to do a post show. See, the post show. Because that's what's coming that up one. next. The post show. Yeah. Because uh, social yeah. media is demanding it. You hear that, Brittany? Y'all need a post I show. Hear it. A post <laughs> show. I definitely yeah, hear it loud and clear. Season, season three, man. Let's Come on now. Come down, on. They did it with power. The they did it with power. Let's go do it with P Valley, okay? But, brother, you right. be safe, man. I love you, brother. And stay strong. And, man, tell Likewise, Nico hi. My boy, John Stewart, he's out of Atlanta. He was not playing Big Tico on the show. Tell him hi, because I interviewed him when he was on Zoe's. So I got a little family yes, over there working out there, man. I'm going to get all y'all on my show, man. And I support y'all 100%, okay? And keep winning, okay, brother? Yes, sir, I will. Likewise, brother. Much love to you. Thank you. Cool. If you want right, to see or interview any or see or hear any of my interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations Masterclass with your daily Minute of Inspiration. I sat down with my girl, Emmy Award winning journalist, TV host, television executive producer, and Spellman grad, Sean Robinson. She's on the show to talk about her new endeavors and the importance of having a vision that fuels your passion. Keep on pushing. It was another project that I had been literally working on for probably about at least eight years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, got real close and then it didn't happen. And then somebody just called back, oh, hey, do you still have that project? You might be interested in it. I'm like, okay, still got it. <laughs> so just know that there's certain things that are going to take longer to materialize. Right. You can listen to this full interview with Sean Robinson. It's available on moneymakingconversation.com. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. People always talk about their purpose or gifts. If you have a gift, lead with your gifts and don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My guest is Dr. T.M. Robinson Mosley, affectionately known as Mosley. In this show, we will call her Dr. Mosley. She's counseling psychologist, she's a counseling psychologist and sports mental health expert, which is very, very important. It seems to be out there now, and it really we want to talk a little bit back because it wasn't exposed like this. So we had a lot of years and decades and maybe even centuries of 
athletes who had this invincibility role they had to play couldn't show the vulnerability or people would have deemed that as weak. She's the principal and the managing partner of Mosley and Associates Consulting, which is the umbrella brand for counseling and psychological services, sports performance, sports performance consulting, inclusive belonging to training, and culturally responsive leadership development. Dr. Mosley developed the Sports and Mental Health and Wellness Playbook, a cutting-edge turnkey solution to one of the most challenging issues in sports, and she needs an app. The mental health needs of athletes. Please welcome the Money Making Conversation Masterclass. Dr. T.M. Robinson Mosley. How are you doing? AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm doing very well this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm very excited. I know we've had a little disconnect here and there, but I wanted to get you on the call 
today, call in the video to talk about this because, you know, like Kevin, you love a few years ago came out and admitted that he had mm -hmm. some issues and we see more and more athletes coming out. Uh, I watched my yeah. daughter who was a, t was a tennis phenom. And I don't know if, you know, I always told my wife, I don't know if that's what she really wanted to do. She was just very good oh, wow. at it. And so that's the psychological drama moment you have to deal with, that you have children out there doing things or functioning in a role that they may not be doing, but they just want to appease the parents. So what role do you play in all this, Dr. Mosley? Because we're going to back up a little bit and uh, and so we can move forward to fully understand why it's so important to you and is there an end game to all of this? Well, thank you so much for that. And I, I really appreciate your perspective, too, uh, because you've had a firsthand experience of the pressures that come with being at the highest level of sport. And it's not just the the athlete. Uh, it's the people in their ecosystem that are impacted, too. So their families. So that's that's something uh, even to talk about. But um, the, the role that I play largely is working with these organizations so that they can build winning team cultures um, and winning teams. Um, and by doing that, to make sure that we are invested in giving them a, a full service program that really empowers them to develop inclusive, empathic leaders so that these leaders can lead with tools and a game plan on how to kind of foster a culture that's conducive to high performing teams. Right. Because it's not just enough to make sure that the athletes or the coaches um, and the trainers and folks have the tools that they need to be successful on the field. The things that happened uh, beyond the game impact what happens during the game. And so it's not enough for me to show up and make sure that the athletes have the resources and the tools and strategies if we're sending them right back into an environment that's not conducive to getting the absolute best out of them. So the Wellness and Peak Performance Playbook Program uh, is kind of a custom-designed um, high intensity, high performing approach, um, specifically for leaders as well as um, the, the teams and the athletes. And we've helped over uh, 40 organizations across uh, collegiate and professional sports. Um, and those teams have won championships. And right. so we're connecting that peak performance, mental health, and well being are connected to winning. And that's the key. Here's the key conversation, too, about there's a physical side of, of, of mental health and there's a mental side of mental health. And let's let's slide back to the physical side. When when sports in general start admitting there is a problem, we're talking about concussions and admitting that we are athletes going out there who are either concussed, which means they were incoherent and they would give them that smelling salt. You know, <laughs> yes. And, they, and they, yes. they, they, they stagger back out on the field. And if they didn't go back on the field, some people might say they were weak or a sense of toughness. Now, because the, unless, if we can talk about that, because then after that was exposed, then we start talking about the mental issues of mental health. Because if you can't expose one without admitting something to the other, and I think the bigger oh, problem is not so much the concussion, it's the admission that I don't feel good, I don't feel right, I'm uncomfortable, I need help. So is, is, am, I, am I writing talking about the concussion exposure from a physical side led to more exposure to the mental side? Um, I think um, talking about CTE and talking yes, about concussions uh -huh. yes, um, in the NFL opened the door yes, for some conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, around that because it ended up being something connected to a phenomenon that was connected to sport. Yes. I think the interesting thing is that 
our mind and bodies are interconnected. There's no separation. And right. we always say in our business that injuries are not just physical. Right. Um, because when you're injured, it impacts the, well, your ability to function, um, let alone kind of in your sport, but beyond it. And there's an exchange there. And the challenge is that even when we are looking at injuries, the concern is, am I going to get back to where I am? Uh, am I going to be able to perform again? Um, if you're not at a place where you were able to rehab uh, and have a lot of um, support around you, it can be a real challenging process and can be even more detrimental to the initial injury as you try to recover. Because not only do you have the pressures of, am I going to be able to get back to where I was? You are extremely isolated and lonely. And that also leads to some behaviors that can be really challenging. Right. We're talking to Dr. T.M. Robinson Mosley, affectionately known as Mosley. We'll be calling her Dr. Mosley on this show. She developed the Sports Mental Health and Wellness Playbook, a cutting-edge turnkey solution to one of the most challenging issues in sports, the mental health needs of the athlete. One of the things that we note a lot is in the black and brown communities, these, these are words that you don't hear. Therapy, mental mm-hmm. health, depression, trauma and worries to cope or what are the resources? Let's start with therapy. And then let's go, because I don't want to like lump them all together. Okay. Sure. So in the black and brown community, why is that, why is the word therapy not brought up? And how can we make it a normal form of conversation when it comes to care? Well, I, I love that we're even saying it even more. So I'm a second generation psychologist. My, my mother is a, is a psychologist and her, her twin sister. And so I grew up in the business, so to speak, in the business of caring, as I like to say. And many of the aspects of mental health, uh, which you hit on, I think, really, um, really nicely in your opening, uh, have been heavily stigmatized. Uh, I'm weak. Uh, or I'm not going to perform or I'm not enough. It's from this deficit place. Mm -hmm. And for us, we want to change the game and change this conversation. And what's great is we're having more and more people, um, particularly um, young black men and women who are Mm -hmm. at the forefront of talking about this. Um, DeRozan and um, Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka, um, who have been extremely um, vulnerable, yet extremely powerful and being able to make this a part of platforms because we don't get to peak performance if we don't take care of ourselves. And so I always reframe therapy as a way that it's very similar to your physical health. If we're going to get checkups and get our physicals every year, if we're going to do things to make sure our bodies are well, we have to do the same things for our minds. So there's a common misconception that When I say mental health, it's conflated with mental illness or mental disorder. And that is not the case. Um, Everybody has mental health like they have physical health. And we've got to do things to make sure that we check in. And therapy is a non-judgmental, safe, professional uh, activity, very similar to like being able to go and see a medical provider where you're able to make sure that whether you have a big problem or you have something that you're grappling with, that we can do some preventative work to make sure it doesn't get to a place where it's worse. And we're in the middle of a mental health emergency right now across the lifespan, especially with our young people in particular. And so it's now more important than ever that there's access to culturally responsive um, therapy and to have people who look like me and look like you to deliver those services. And that's exactly what we aim to do and what we provide to these world-class brands and organizations. Depression. Um, yes. I, you know, like I said, just speaking of myself, you know, I, I'm a type A driven, go oriented person. I, mm-hmm. um, I 
you know, if I get down, I'm motivated to get up by setting goals. Now, that doesn't work for everybody. And that's yes. where the word depression sets in, because if you can explain to my audience what exactly is depression is depression and what are the signs? So that's a great question. And I love that you asked that and talking about personal experience, because we all have experienced a really difficult time over the past couple of years. And we are seeing a lot of people using words like depression and anxiety really regularly, which I love. And at the same time, depression is not just feeling down um, a day or two, or maybe you're not feeling great. Um, A depression diagnosis happens when if you are having the worst day that you can have, and you have that uninterrupted for a minimum of two weeks to a month, Right. So if you are experiencing uh, sadness, hopelessness, if you're feeling fatigued and extremely more tired, even if you're getting a lot of sleep or if you're not getting enough sleep, um, if you're noticing that there's a shift in wanting to do or not do the things that you typically would want to do. There's a sheer shift. So depression really is a place of not just thinking about depressed mood and I'm feeling down and out, but there are all these other indicators that you may not be doing so well. So for us, it's less for people to know what the diagnosis is and more of, and we take this from sport, the fit test where you are looking at the frequency. Am I experiencing something more common than I am? Am I feeling like I don't want to do things I want to do? I'm having a difficult time concentrating. I'm sad. The intensity of it, does it feel really extreme and severe? And then the timing of it, how long is this happening? So we want people to be mindful, not just of themselves, but the people they care about the most. If they're starting to recognize there's been a shift um, for people um, for the in, in a negative way, and that it's happened for an extended period of time. Wow. You know, I, when I say, when you was talking, I heard the word motivation. If you're not motivated mm-hmm. to get out of bed, if you're not motivated yes. to talk to your friends, if you're not motivated to go to work, if you're not motivated to treat yourself good, you know, that's a sign of depression. And when I heard you, that the word motivation just popped out. That really is about motivation. If you've lost your will to have a, to feel good, to express happiness, to uh, give happiness, then you are have exhibiting signs of depression. And because that that because that's what drives me. I'm motivated to get up. I'm motivated to come to work. I'm motivated mm-hmm. to eat food. I'm motivated to hang out with my friends. If I lose those forms of motivation, then there's something wrong with my life and I should seek therapy. Yeah. Um, or um, at least at that point, being able to, if you don't have a therapist or know how to get one, um, getting a, either going to your, your primary care provider, um, talking to someone who you think you can help because sometimes people don't recognize it, which is why we have to look at it as there's the internal and the external. So yes, this is internally happening with us, but it's in response to what's happening around us. Things that are happening with our families, with the environment, with our communities, with the greater uh, kind of uh, environment when we're looking at, at COVID and all these shifts. There's a lot of grief. We have a lot of collective trauma that's happening right now. And so it makes sense that there would be that difficulty. I will add this additional point to um, to the point of thinking about uh, talking about black folks and brown folks. This may look very different than what people are used to seeing. So often sometimes when 
Um, if we're thinking about folks saying like, oh, she's got an attitude or she's always so irritated, that could be a sign of depression mm-hmm. or he or she is always so angry. Mm-hmm. Right. Or they get set off real easily. Those things often are what we see, too, uh, as indicators with some of these other aspects that folks can be depressed. So you can see how sometimes it can be harder um, for people to recognize when people are having a really hard time. Yeah. You know, the thing about it so far, what I wanted to make sure that, you know, sports and everyday life really intertwine because sports is competition. Mm-hmm. And if you don't really, if you don't know this in life, you're competing. You're competing yes. for gas prices <laughs> and how you get to work, time on the freeway, Uber, food, meals. And so people need to understand that. They say, why are you talking about sports? No, I'm talking about everyday life. And if mm-hmm. you break it down to normal things, you realize that that it's some tragic things happening to our young generation. And when I go to this area, it's called suicide attempts. So let me just state some mm-hmm. quick facts, and I'm going to have Dr. Mosley expound on this. Suicide attempts increased amongst adolescents aged 12 to 17, especially young girls, during the COVID-19 pandemic. According to CDC data, suicide attempts among young girls surged by more than 50% during the pandemic. That is a giant wow for me. Please explain. Yes, um, we are in the middle of a a really serious state of emergency around mental health, um, particularly in the this population. And athletes and young women uh, are a, a, a unique subset. And I'll add boys in there, too, as well, because we're seeing the um, numbers of deaths by suicide and, and suicide attempts skyrocket. Um, and this is across every single community. And if things things were already kind of pre to COVID, we were starting to see those rates go up. But where those were cracks, now we're seeing shatters right. um, because COVID has, has really impacted this. Um, and so there's a combination of, of several risk factors here. And uh, ideally, there needs to be more research here. Uh, but the risk factors being feelings of hopelessness and isolation, which makes sense from um, the online school and shutdowns all of the grief and loss around COVID. Um, if there's been a family history of someone who's either died or attempted uh, or close friends, if we're seeing a kind of a, a, a larger amount of um, people in the community, so a local epidemic of suicide, which is what we're seeing, um, because we've seen these kind of high profile um deaths by suicide here recently. Um, Those things uh, impacted as well as barriers to accessing culturally responsive care, accessing people like me um, or anyone who's able to recognize what these warning signs of distress are. Uh, I have to say, and we'll probably take this here um, a little further, but social media also plays a huge role in this Mm -hmm. because not only are you disconnected from people and isolated, but you have a larger comparison group that you are not able to manage what you are seeing and what you're experiencing. And young women and young girls in particular are more likely to be cyberbullied. And these kids don't have the awareness that this is something temporary when things live on the internet forever. And so we are seeing so many different factors where, um, and the same thing when you're looking at entertainers, which I know you know, um, and professional athletes and elite athletes now getting younger and younger, where people have access to them through the internet and are able to see them. And so pressure breaks pipes. 
And so they are the canaries in the mind that something is happening right now with our young people. Right. Uh, throughout her career, Dr. Bowler has served as a subject matter expert and advisor of numerous nonprofit organizations, companies in the private sector, collegiate athletics, uh, professional sports leagues, and higher education, including world-class organizations like the Harvard Business School, uh, the NCAA, NBA, NFL, and United States Air Force. You have been considered a trusted advisor to a lot of chief executives. How do you, uh, what, what in your career, when you did light bulb go off that your brand was being accepted and when you picked up the phone or you sent out the email, you got the response back that you wanted, Dr. Mosley? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I guess in my career, uh, so I did what some folks did. So I am, by trade, I'm a counseling psychologist, but for about 15 years, I was a higher ed- uh, higher education executive. Right. And what started happening to me is I started getting pulled more and more and consulting with my colleagues at my institutions and then also with other places around how do we um, empower our leaders and give them tools and resources to foster a culture because you're, you're doing something that's working, mm-hmm. um, uh, fostering a culture that's conducive to high performing teams. And, and can you help us? And to be frank, those calls started coming more often and often when I was in my full time gig. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last role that I had, I was um, associate vice chancellor and dean of students uh, in the UC system at UC Santa Cruz. And the switch for me was when my job um, became my client. So I started doing this work because my purpose and my, my passions really align around making sure that people can do their absolute best. Um, and getting the absolute best out of people, giving people a safe place to land, which means we have to empower leaders to be agile so that people feel psychologically safe and uh, that they belong to something um, so that our, our teams can innovate and thrive and ultimately win. That became the moment for me when I started seeing that there were real kind of outcome measures and impact to the work that I was doing. So moving um, and starting my own shop and getting some some brilliant folks around me to help me do that uh, became the path. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Now, there's always different paths to success, you know. Yes, indeed. You started out, you know, you're a sports junkie like we all, you know, Saints fan. I, you know, you pain and <laughs> suffering with those with those NFL referees, I'm sure, over the last few years. And then Drew Brees retires on you, and, and he, then he's hinting he might come back. That might send you into some mental health zone out there for a lot of fans. But, you know, I would, I would, I'm going to share you an example of uh, how sports, and I, I had to walk away from sports. Sports, being a particular sports fan, oh. and I'm from Houston, and uh, and I will uh, every Sunday I, I'd watch the the Oilers play, and when they would lose, I actually had a felt like I had a hole in my chest. I was just, I was just not happy. I was just, and I, and I started realizing that was carrying into my everyday life that depression. I got to use the word depression because I think mm-hmm. that's what it was. And then when I said it, and then I, when I made the conscious decision that I was just going to be a fan of sports. I was not going to be passion driven by a certain team and deal with their ups and downs and all that. And I've been able to handle my relationship with sports a lot better. Uh, 
because I think I still can say I'm a fan of a Houston team, but I'm not so engrossed that that's my team. That's my team. I live and die with that's my team. But now they're part of the sports, which I follow. I track. I track the Astros. I track, you know, the, the Rockets. And that, that has worked out better for me. Is it the, because I changed my technique that's helping me out or am I doing something wrong? <laughs> well, what I love is that you were able to identify that something was impacting you in a way that didn't feel good and wasn't actually, uh, let's say, uh, performance enhancing, right? Like right. you were not able to feel good and do your best. And so you shifted your technique and your routine and your the way that you connected. Right. And so frankly, in our business, it sounds like you developed some healthier boundaries, with something that you really enjoyed and you were really connected with. And so that approach actually is really excellent. And it's what we really aim to do when working with, with teams and organizations and individuals. How do we think about healthy boundaries? And boundaries are things that people think are rigid. Right. Um, and I reframe that because boundaries simply just give us a roadmap for how to connect with each other. So what's okay and comfortable and safe for me, what's okay and comfortable um, and safe and, and kind of enhances performance for you in both ways. And we take it from there. So we can change our relationship and connection to something with healthy boundaries instead of either being all in or all nothing. Right. Well, you know, I, I, I had to share that because like I said, I clearly remember those Sundays, I clearly remember the the, the depression. I'm gonna use the correct word. It was depressed because I was depressed. I was like, <laughs> you know, you know, because you've heard stories, people throwing things at their TV, people knocking, people. Listen, leaving. we were called the ants. We mm. there, people went to the game with the bags <laughs> right, on their right, head. Right, right, I'm right. with you. Right. So, so what we're leading into July, which is the National Minority Health Awareness Month. Let's talk about that and make sure why that's important to be on my show talking about July being National Minority Health and Awareness. Because we spoke about the people in the black and brown community being the, the last to talk about therapy, therapy, the last to talk about mental health, talk about the trauma, seeking out resources. Let's talk about that July and its significance in our community. Yes. Well, I, I think this year in particular, especially even um, more so in the last um, few years, this becomes even more important because with COVID-19 exacerbating the mental health crisis that has disproportionately impacted marginalized communities and, and Generation Z, it's really critical for us to look at the best ways to help people take care of themselves. Uh, there has been, I, I can't underscore this enough, the collective grief and trauma we've experienced, not only from things that we've lost and people that we've lost that we will never get back, but we are forever changed by this experience. And for some of us, not in a way that is healthy and will impact their health for a very long time. So having the focus on what this experience and, and phenomenon and what, um, some um, kind of mental health um, indicators that things are not going as great or that things are going really well, couching that in what that looks like for our communities, for uh, black and brown communities is right. especially important because we're not often focused on that. And so being able to highlight um, mental health providers that would be excellent for the community, how do you recognize when your, or your family member or loved one or your children are having a hard time what do you do about that? And so we are at the intersection of all of these things. I always like to say we like to identify these strategies and tools um, 
that are important, um, but also culturally responsive, which means it respect it really reflects your experience. And then I have a team I call them my bullpen of experts, right. mm-hmm. um, where we are a, a diverse team of uh, mental health and medical providers who are accessible and mm-hmm. provide these services. And mm-hmm. so it's access to people who look like you and um, kind of treatment recommendations and support that mm-hmm. really speak to your experience. Well, I'm speaking to Dr. T.M. Robinson Mosley. Um, affectionately known as Mosley. I call her Dr. Mosley. Uh, My whole thing is that she developed the Sports Mental Health and Wellness Playbook. I just want you to remove the word sports out. She has developed the Mental Health and Wellness Playbook. It's a a cutting-edge turnkey solution to all of the challenging issues in life, not just sports. And I brought her on my show to let you understand that mental health issues that you see on TV because these high-profile athletes are publicizing and making admissions that something's not right in their life and they want to sit down, they want to walk away from the game. This game may not be the sport I, I envision to be my career. It's a good thing. And I want to thank you, Dr. Mosley, for coming on my show and sharing some of your time and and definitely want to bring you back, I, like I said, and, and and just really, really get into the corporate side and also the, the student side and the academic side. We touched on it, but like I said, I wanted to bring you on the show really to talk about what you needed to talk about, your recognized brand as a sports mental health expert oh, and yeah. also the month of July. But this is a bigger picture you're playing out there, and we need to definitely continue this conversation in an ongoing relationship. Yeah, I I agree. And I tell you what, we use sport as a conduit, as a framework, because at our best, sport can teach us really valuable things about belonging, getting the best out of people, overcoming adversity, Mm -hmm. uh, being resilient and agile. And so we work with um, higher education, with technology, with nonprofits, um, even with the military and, and the government, with special ops and the Air Force, mm-hmm. uh, around how do we do that in a way that feels um, empathic leaders and an environment that's conducive to getting the best out of people. So I would love to talk more with you about Absolutely. how we take that framework and we use it across these high-intensity High impact industry. I say is good. You allowed me to share some personal stories. And I think by being honest yeah. about my stories, hopefully we will enable people to be honest about their lives. But again, oh, goodness, yes. Thank yes. you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Uh, Masterclass, Dr. Mosley, you're amazing. I appreciate it. And I will see you in the future, okay? Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Happy Friday Eve. Absolutely. If you, my friend, want to see or hear any of my shows, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. You've been listening to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Always remember to lead with your gifts. Money Making Conversations Masterclass is a presentation of 3815 Media Incorporated. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. I'm Rashawn McDonald for Money Making Conversations Masterclass with your daily Minute of Inspiration. I sat down with sisters Kim and Keandra Luckett. These ladies are about their business. Keandra is a billboard charting gospel singer, songwriter, and Kim is a celebrity stylist. Together, they built Jolie Noir, a luxury essential wear brand and targets nationwide. They spoke about having faith to beat all odds and what can happen if you stay in your lane. But love and a clear understanding of who you two are superseded Mm -hmm. that madness. And I think faith plays a major role in that, correct? Yeah, we were uh, raised to uh, be faith-based and um, we've carried that on into our adult lives. We can't do anything without the Lord, actually. Jolie Noir would not be without the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on. You can listen to the full interview with Kim and Keandra Lockett. 
is available on moneymakingconversation.com. You can listen to more great Money Making Conversation Masterclass interviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Audible.